Welcome to LilyPod episode 36, Conference Tidbits. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. We just finished watching five sessions of General Conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this happens every six months. We always look forward to the messages that are prepared for that event. And we listened with particular attention to how the talks applied to mid-singles and later married couples. So we these, are in fact a later married couple who were you formerly mid-single. That's right, of course, yes. And uh, I mean, so we're li- we were listening not only for our own edification, but also uh, so that we could share some nuggets and insights that we gained from listening to these talks. That's right. One of the first ones that that came to our minds, uh, President Nelson, Russell M. Nelson, was quoted uh, from a previous conference by three different people for this proposition. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. And we think this tells us a lot about the power of intention. A lot of times as mid-singles, we you know, got caught up in worrying about the circumstances of our lives. Why did my spouse abandon me? <clears throat> you know, I did all I could to keep my covenants, and yet here I'm in this situation as a single parent, whatever. And so one thing we wanted to, to point up is He's saying the joy we feel doesn't have much to do with the circumstances of our lives. It has a lot more to do with what we focus on. Absolutely. And I've always been really impressed with how much President Nelson refers to the law of attraction, not directly, but indirectly in his talks. Right. And this quote from him originally came up in three different talks, at right. least three. Maybe there were more, but I, I counted three. Right different talks that referenced that quote. So obviously it's loved and a lot of us have pondered it and uh, applied it in our lives and other talks that we give. Right. Now, um, in a, on a related subject, Elder Holland gave, I believe the first address of the, of the conference uh, after President Nelson's welcome. And he said, he talked about old distinctions and limiting labels. And he says the best thing is for those to all fall away. So that kind of like in fourth Nephi, he quotes it where there were no Nephites nor Lamanites nor any other manner of ites, but they were in one, the children of Christ. And again, talking about identifying ourselves in a particular way. As disciples. Right. And so this pertains to mid-singles very directly because we often think of ourselves as I'm a divorcee, I'm a widow, I'm a widower, 
Um, I'm a single person who's never married. Some people even use the derogatory term old maid, which we don't like. But, you know, there's a variety of, of those kinds of labels that we put on ourselves. And I remember President Ballard in the previous conference talked about how sometimes the labels we use are administratively helpful. Like, what's the difference between a young single adult and a mid-single adult? And, you know, those are administratively helpful. But he, do, he didn't want emphasis put on status in that way. Yeah, I know the last few conferences have, in, have uh, emphasized the importance of treating ourselves and others as children of God and with infinite potential, uh, independent of and, you know, maybe even because of the life experience we've had um, and not, um, not have that be a limitation at all. Right. Um, Sister Corden. Uh, oh, and I, I, I think I want to mention just that the uh, the previous one of the previous podcasts we did was on thoughtful labeling. Right. And so we won't we won't go into that in great detail, but I thought it was interesting that this conference brought up labels and right. the importance of emphasizing the most important label as a child of God. Right, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, and I would point out that Elder Renland encouraged us uh, to also consider ourselves children of God. So it's a, it's a. That was a reoccurring thing. You know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So, yeah, that was a, a recurring theme. Sister Corden, I was about to mention, uh, gave a, a great talk, and she said, "The thing that really stood out to me is the Lord has a plan for you." And sometimes the chaos of the world and the confusion, you know, covers our true identity, but that really the Lord does have a plan for you individually. And I think oftentimes we're inclined to think, well, the, the plan's gotten off track because the plan wasn't for me to get divorced or to lose my husband or wife in to death or. Well, and yet uh, several, several talks emphasize the importance of, receiving revelation in the temple. And I remember receiving the revelation in the temple that divorce was absolutely part of my path. And it wasn't just in the temple. It was also through pondering and through little synchronicities that I realized later had happened to indicate that God knew all along right. that that divorce would happen and that that marriage would be a certain amount of time. And then it would, you know, it would be time for me to learn new lessons, you know, and I just didn't understand it. Right. President Nelson, uh, well, Sister Corden quoted President Nelson as saying how important it is that we know our purpose. Mm. And uh, th I think that goes along with the Lord having a plan for you. You have a purpose and, and that purpose has a plan that supports it. And, and if, if something feels like it's gone wrong, maybe it's exactly what it needs to be for right. you to grow. Because that's, that is how, what we're here to do is to grow. Right. And I, I've said a lot of times that I would not be the man I am today if I hadn't gone through that extremely painful experience. And I wouldn't have the relationship I have today with Kathy and her two boys. And, you know, I wouldn't so much about my life would not be as good. And it's hard to when you're in the midst of all that it's hard to look at it and say, oh, it's all going to be fine. But 
you know, it's, it's a great um, comfort to understand that the Lord has a plan for you. And I believe, you know, the Lord knows what it's going to take for me to become the man that he knows I can be. And so, you know, he's, he's put things in my path that maybe I wouldn't have chosen or wanted. Right. So just, but, yeah, that's just something to ponder, really. I mean, if something, it feels like it's gone wrong in your life, um, pray about it. Right. And I, I know that my answer was that it, it was absolutely part of my path. Right. Uh, Sister Corden had also made the point that anytime we help uh, someone to keep, to make or keep covenants that they've already made, uh, we are helping to gather Israel. And Kathy and I talked this over, and we think that also includes even yourself. If you haven't made the covenants but are striving to, to get to that point, then that then you're helping to gather Israel by first gathering yourself. If you made covenants that somebody else unmade, um, helping yourself ultimately to a new marriage and a new eternal ceiling is helping to gather Israel. And, and to continue keeping your own covenants with God independent of what happened with that marriage too. Absolutely. And so, yeah, helping yourself to keep covenants as well as making new ones when the right uh, time comes. And, and sometimes, as our friend Graciela Moore said, we are called to wait. But uh, but I think as we're doing everything we can to claim those blessings, we are helping to gather Israel, even if the person we're gathering is ourself. Most definitely. You know, I actually wanted to bring up Elder Oak's talk, which I believe was next. Yeah. Um, we're still on Saturday, by the way. There's three sessions on Saturday, two on Sunday. Um, so still on Saturday, um, Oaks talked quite a bit about church activity being something we create for ourselves. Right. Um, we don't go to church to be entertained or to be fed the spirit. We go to receive the spirit. We go to. And provide it to others. Yeah. Well, that too. Yes. To feel it, to give it to, to share in that spirit. And we're ultimately responsible for the experience that we have with our own, uh, our own membership, our own activity, our own church attendance, all of it. Um, right. Our experience is ours. You know, it's funny. I, I sometimes have my son, he's in junior high, uh, our oldest here at home. He comes in the door and for what, two years, he, I'd say, how was school? Boring. <laughs> and I just let this go on for two years. And then I think once we started working on our own thoughts and realizing we're responsible for our own, I mean, we, we've known for a long time we're responsible for our own emotions, but how much more we're responsible than we ever realized. And that would include how, how much fun we have doing whatever we're doing. No one else can make that for us. <laughs> That's for sure. Anyway, so uh, now the dialogue is a little bit different and he knows that I don't just accept that, you know, he, he a boring day happened to him. Right. You know, uh, he it's up to him to, although he does sometimes say that he'd get kicked out of school if he had as much fun as he wants to. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's a good kid, though. I, he's just kidding. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that and then it goes back to the church thing, though. Um he absolutely and unequivocally said, if we go to church and we have a bad experience, that's on us. Right. 
Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'd just like to bring up, cause I, I'm sure some of you have had this experience too, but occasionally a well-meaning, you know, always married member of the church has come to me and tried to relate to what I must be going through as a mid single and talked about how hard it must be to sit in church by myself. And I'll be Probably honest. because that was the best way they knew how to relate to it, right? Right, because and that's something you hear about. You know, it's hard to go and sit by myself. Going and sitting by myself was never difficult. That was the if that would have been the hardest thing about being divorced. Wow, that would have been that would have been easy stuff. Uh, there were many aspects of my life that were much harder than that. But I do believe that part of it is attitude. If you go in thinking, oh, I don't really belong because I'm a single person and I got divorced and we don't get divorced in this church and it's so on. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then, yeah, you will tend to isolate yourself and try to be invisible and feel, you know, unwelcome, even if you're not. And, but if you show up thinking, yeah, I'm a person who has been through some pain and I need the comfort that I can get here and, and try to find it, then your experience is going to be a lot better. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've sometimes read comments on social media to the effect of, oh, my word is very unfriendly. I, I'm not accepted. I'm not, I don't fit in. Um, I think what's something we have to realize is we're not going to church in a place where there are paid actors and they're just acting out a part for us. They're coming to church and having, a, you know, creating their own experience just yeah. like we are. And we're all responsible for our own. And if we don't think our word is friendly, then we be friendly. We create, we're the part, we're part of creating whatever that experience is. Right. I, I wish I could remember the name of the sister who spoke shortly and I don't, after that. Well, and I don't mean to be insensitive, like, because I, I realize it can be rough. Like if you were married, you know, and then you stay in the same ward and all of a sudden you're single and it can be very awkward. Um, so just, just People know that we find out what's happened or, or bits and pieces. You know, I mean, that, those things happen. Um, we're talking about a principle though. Right. And it does apply to all of us in all circumstances. It, but just know that we do have compassion and understanding. Cause I mean, we've, we've been through a lot of that kind of stuff too. Right. I was going to bring up. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. There was a sister that spoke and I, and I can't remember her name, but she was the one that, that spoke this, the next one who spoke after uh, sister Corden that we just talked about. She, she said um, the the question we should ask ourselves is not how can I fulfill this calling, whatever your calling is, but how can I manifest Christ's love? And I think mm -hmm. that's a, a way that we can approach coming to church and creating the kind of experience we want is a deeper look at, you know, how can I manifest his love as opposed to... Oh, I love that. Do, fulfilling an obligation. That's great, Jeff. Um, All these talks are so good. I mean, we, we can't possibly make them better with what we're saying here. We're just highlighting right. the, the juicy tidbits. And applying some of it that we felt was particularly applicable to mid-single life. Um, I thought it was great that, uh, well, are we on to the second session yet? Uh, I don't know, because I don't have my notes that way. Well, and I don't but. necessarily either, but I, 
I do remember, I think it was the afternoon session started with Lilies of the Field, which was right. interesting because just a few hours before that, I had been asked to play that in our state conference, our upcoming state conference. And as many listeners know, the acronym for love in later years is Lily. Right. And so Lily, Lilies of the Field is kind of our song. Yeah, and, and then, then right, it came on Spotify today spontaneously. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I mean, so there there must be something to that piece. So I paid attention because I think Bednar even himself said he pays attention when there are syn synchronicities like that. Right. And, um, and he's talked about when special song pieces, you know, come up, come up for him and how it's comforted in him before. Right. Um, anyway, I remember him talking about uh, the, the bitter feelings of a divorced woman. Yes. In a talk right after Lilies of the Field. I mean, how beautiful was that timing? Right. And and she had wanted justice and accountability for her former husband for the things he had done and, you know, presumably was pushing for church discipline, although he didn't say that. But he said that she did take solace in the scriptures and studied and read a lot about the atonement of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. And as her understanding of the depth of that increased, she came to the conclusion that the price for her former husband's sins did not need to be paid twice. And since Jesus Christ had already paid for them, you know, justice had already been done and accountability had already been given. And she found the capacity to forgive him uh, by a deeper understanding of the atonement of Christ. And I'm sure many of you can relate to wanting justice and accountability for what your former husband or wife may have, have done. But I think that story from Elder Bednar's talk was particularly poignant on the subject of forgiveness for, you know, being wronged in marriage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That yeah, was a great talk and uh, such a beautiful talk to have happen after Lilies of the Field. Right. You know, I have one other uh, highlight I wanted to make uh, in the afternoon session. Uh, I believe it's Kapitschke. Yeah, Elder Kapitschke. Yeah, Elder Kapitschke talked about, uh, now I thought of not saying anything about this because it was about raising content children, children that have appropriate boundaries and limits and expectations, but that they're overall content so that they have less likelihood to develop mental illness, or if they do have mental illness, how to address it. Um, you know, and, and some of us are single parents as mid-singles, but what I wanted to point out actually is how we're all God's children and we're here in this life to create joy and contentment and peace are part of that. And right. Um, that we can help ourselves and our own mental well-being. Um, I think no matter where we're at on that spectrum, whether we are like so severe we need medication, like a lot of medication, or you know just a little counseling and we're we're good. Right. Um, but we all have mental health needs, and this is one of them. And a very and, important. And mental one. health, mental illness doesn't mean you're crazy. That's one of the stigmas that that exists with it, then it makes people reluctant to seek mental health. Treatment. And I think we're throwing that stigma out a lot more now. Right. Uh, and and replacing it with an understanding that we all have mental health needs and that that we do need to be uh, 
intentional about our mental health care. And um, so just keep in mind that no matter what your upbringing was, we can always be a healthy parent to ourselves by creating in ourselves a, a peaceful contentment in our lives. Right. And since we're on Elder Kapitschke, let me just throw out another little synchronicity that occurred this conference. He talked about um, one verse of how firm a foundation, that soul that hath leaned on Jesus for repose, I will not, I cannot desert to his foes. You, you know, that song or that, that um, verse, uh, that soul that all hell hath endeavored to take, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. You know, and talking about how we, we want to create a firm foundation and help those souls that are struggling. And that song was sung in conference, and President Nelson's closing remarks were about the new foundation being created in the Salt Lake Temple. And I, I, it got me thinking, you know, for mid-singles, sometimes we can feel a little cut adrift, like life is a little more chaotic than we would want and that we're missing an anchor. And the important thing to remember is that your anchor is Jesus Christ, that he's the rock upon which you build your house. Absolutely. That was, that's amazing. Um, anyways, uh, there's another, there's a couple of other things that, that we wanted to, to get to. El, Elder Uchtdorf, uh, gave an interesting talk where he said that sometimes we need a personal restoration. Kind of like, I, I, I think of this like there was an apostasy of the church, of the true faith, and it had to be restored and renewed. And he talked about a personal restoration. And I think for those of us who felt like our lives have fallen apart, the concept of having a personal restoration is profound. And he, he said, we are pilgrims on the path of glory, mm. which is, you know, beautiful imagery. Well, and we mentioned earlier that I had learned that divorce was part of my path. Right. To glory. Right. I mean, add that. How beautiful is that? It's not just a path of pain that had to happen for me to grow. It's the path of glory. Right. Beautiful. And, and talking about the traditional way we use the term restoration in our faith, um, President Nelson said, remember that the restoration is a process, not an event. And so, so although so Joseph two Smith, separate talks that you put together right. into this thought. Right. Joseph Smith came along and he he restored a lot of the truths and ordinances and and the structure of the church and so on. But President Nelson indicates that the, the restoration is still unfolding. New truths are still being revealed. And so when we think about personal restoration, I think we can understand, too, that it is a process more than an event. You don't one day decide you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start developing personally and the next day you're happy and successful. And, you know, I mean, it, it's a process and uh, 
you don't plant seeds and then stand over them yelling at them to grow faster. <laughs> well, and I, I, I remember there was a talk, I think just this afternoon, about perseverance being met with patience. Right. That's because right. Because we can't grow something we don't sow and, and t tend to, but we also can't yell at it to grow and expect it to happen as quickly as we want. Right. I think Elder Sikahema talked about the the analogy in Alma 32 about a plant growing. And and uh, he talked, of, of course, about order and how things mm -hmm. have to be done in the in the sequence that they're expected to be. I mean, you don't um, you know, you don't uh, take the water and then take the bread, for example. That was a good talk, um, too. Well, and, and you. You get married and then you have children. Yeah, try not to reverse those two. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think that fits in with that that subject that it is a process, and there's here a little, there a little. Sometimes it feels a bit random, but but uh, who was the the guy near the end that gave the talk about um, small and simple things? I don't remember um, his name, but I loved that talk because Elder Dunn, and he talked about the aggregation of marginal gains mm. and doing little bite-sized things in various areas of life, and overall they add up to big strides forward. Well, and my notes on that was micro betterments. Yep, that was a, a term <laughs> he used. Yep, and and that that's he that's the talk where he he said perseverance needs to meet patience. Right. He, he said another interesting thing similar to that. He said, habits are the multiplied returns of personal developments. And oh, so that's awesome. So he, he lots basically of good quotes that, in that talk. Yeah. That as we develop little habits, uh, you know, how much stronger are you going to be after a year? If you do 20 pushups every day, probably a lot, although it takes you what 20 seconds to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, that's uh but the key is consistency right that's and and he he used an analogy from the british cycling team which you know i'll let you guys go back and listen to it but it's it, it's a good analogy for it you know lately i've been using uh jody moore's minimum baselines yes. uh, to create habits for myself that will be consistent throughout my life and i've found that to be incredibly helpful right. uh, because uh, it's the things that we do consistently that get us more progress than when we hit, you know, uh, you know, if we, we start progressing when we hit it hard, but it's not something we can maintain. It's right. Yeah. It's those little things that add up. I mean, I think that's why in past conferences we've been encouraged to, you know, study one verse of scripture a day. Right. Uh, I'm still not great at that. And in fact, I think he mentioned you can't just have like this spiritual feast and expect, an, you know, a whole year's worth of progress to happen in, you know, an hour or whatever. Right. Um, but I do sometimes do that every week on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as good at daily, but I can see how I could be, it could be more effective to do one minute a day than 10 minutes on Sunday. Well, or whatever, you know, whatever the case is. It could be less intimidating to you as well. If you're a single parent and you're really busy and, you know, 
that you're not necessarily being asked to do ministering for 20 people or, you know, it doesn't require that to grow spiritually. It requires small, consistent efforts in a variety of areas. Absolutely. And as you develop one and that becomes a habit, then you can focus on something else because you've already got the habit. Right. You know, I had one more thought on that that last uh, subject we talked about, where Elder Dunn talked about the aggregation of marginal gains and micro-betterments and all that, uh, the fine-tuning kind of stuff. Uh, Elder Uchtdorf asked similarly, do you want to change the shape of your life? Change the shape of your day. Do you want to change the shape of your day? Change the shape of this hour. Uh, yeah, because I remember that. The present is all we really have. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, if you're wanting to change the direction of your life and feel down and depressed because of things that have happened, um, what you can do is start by changing this hour, making decisions. All right, what direction do I want to go from here? And I think that's what he's saying. Uh, I also wanted to bring up something Sister Johnson said. Uh, she talked a lot about your life kind of as a story and writing that story. And she said, you know, agency allows us to write our own stories. But David's inclination might have been to go back to herding sheep rather than facing a giant. But David had to face Goliath to write a heroic story. Queen Esther faced the potential wrath of a king and, you know, she may have, have been safer, certainly would, she would have been safer if she had not decided to go in and approach the king in a way that he was not used to. Uh, and yet she let God prevail. And so Sister Johnson asks, will you let God be the author and finisher of your story? And when we think about our life as a story, sometimes the best stories come, like she said, from opposition, you know, a, a, a story in which there's no opposition, no conflict, uh, is a pretty boring story. But if you think about uh, your divorce or your widowhood or whatever it is, as a heroic story where you overcame something really difficult with God's help, you slew your own Goliath, you know, and... Uh, that's a, another very profound idea. Well, and that you have the power to write your own story because of agency. Your story is not over yet. Right. That's just part of your story. Right. Really. Absolutely. Um, Elder Renlin talked about how by this shall men know if ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. And he said the opposite of that is contention. And how much contention usually comes with divorce, typically a lot. Uh, so that's another thing to just consider is that becoming a disciple partly means letting go of that contention as justified as it may feel. Well, and I just want to say how much I love our Love in Later Years group on Facebook. For sure. And how good everyone has been about going to the extra effort to be kind and loving and create safe space for mid-singles who share 
right their fears yeah they because then they can share their fears and their concerns openly and i've just seen this outpouring of love and kindness every time right yeah we have a great group yeah absolutely and and i feel exactly the same as kathy just said about that as well that people tend to be supportive they might give each other advice but it's never in a condescending or mocking sort of way. No, it's always in a a way that is meant to be um, truly helpful. Right. Elder Gong made the point that when our trust is betrayed, it is hard to trust again. And he said, he even made the statement that though we have done everything we know how, things have not yet worked out. And sometimes that gives us a, a difficulty trusting. And he said that trust becomes real when we do hard things with faith. That's um, an interesting idea that, okay, could faith even help you to ask someone on a date? Could faith help you to help that child you have that's struggling in school? You know, whatever your concern is, um, whatever you're struggling with, when you do hard things with faith, trust becomes more real. He said in that, in connection with that earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Mm. And so that's something we, you know, we've all had some of the sorrows of the earth and mid singles. I actually love that quote. Yeah. Say it again. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Mm. That's beautiful. He, he makes the point as well that with regard to forgiveness, Condemnation focuses on the past. Forgiveness focuses on the future. And that's a much more. What can we do now? Right? Right. What can we do to make this better rather than let's talk about how everything went wrong? Right. So I I guess one last thing I would like to, to say before we circle back on one of these ideas is. Elder Meredith, who I actually went to college with and served in student government with, it was interesting to see him speaking in general conference, but. You know, he, he seemed so personable. Yeah. uh, He always was like that. That my first impression was, oh, he'd be easy to know. And then you came in and said, I know him. Yeah. I mean, I used to, sometimes when I was in student government, I was a lot more combative than he was, but I would walk into his room, you know, into his office and sit down and we would talk and, um, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd ask for his advice on things and vice versa, but yeah, very personable guy and, um, genuinely nice and kind. Um, anyway, he made a couple of interesting points that I think apply to mid singles. He talked about keeping focused on Christ. And he said, when Peter was focused on Christ, he could walk on the water. And when he focused on the storm, he started to sink. And that's kind of the difference between focusing on faith or focusing on fear, right? And, and uh, he said there is no discipleship without discipline. I think what he meant by that was it takes a certain amount of discipline to keep our focus on Christ because our mind, our brain wants to, to be fearful. Well, and Satan he, he mentioned that the adversary is the great uh, distractor. Right. 
So yeah, that's a, and it doesn't even need to be a bad thing to be distracting us from our highest purposes. It can actually be neutral things or even good things that aren't best. Right. And I've been thinking about that in my life and there's some things I want to change that way too, that sometimes things that are good can distract us from things that are more important in the scheme of things. And so that's, that's kind of uh, the last point I think we wanted to make, except we want to circle back to this idea of a personal restoration. Right. Because uh, a personal restoration is something that we as mid-singles, especially after we've been through a, a great loss through death or divorce, um, and we may have lost hope and uh, even identity. And that personal restoration, if you'll recall, remember from what we said before, is a process right. based on what President Nelson said about the, the church's restoration being a, still a process. Right. And a long-term process, really. Right. And as Elder Sika Hema said, that process has certain order and sequence at times that it's important to follow. And then as, as Elder Dunn and Elder Uchtdorf both talked about, by small and simple things, great things are brought to pass. So you can decide today to make small changes and you can decide the direction you want to go in to, to govern what changes you're going to make. And you know, you may look at back a year from now and think, oh, I haven't gotten as far as I wanted. I've often heard Tony Robbins say that you grossly overestimate what you can do in a year and grossly underestimate what you can do in five. And that's been my experience, too. And that's too. perseverance meeting patience, right? Right. Perseverance meeting patience uh, in that place, even to just keep with doing those small, simple things and making them habits and then adding some more. Yes. And for love in later years, the acronym is Lily and we are here to help. And in any way that we can be part of your personal res restoration, we, that's what our passionate service in the organization is all about. Right. And, um, you know, we can, we can provide personalized life coaching, but we also, and uh, we also provide a lot of free supportive materials um, through our writing uh, with intentional courtship coming out in a few weeks, um, the materials we create through our podcast here, and um, also YouTube videos. And, right. um, you know, it's they're all well, and also our weekly Lily letter. If you don't currently get it or you if you have been getting it and you don't see it, it might be in your junk mail. I don't know. But it's just this nice up lifting letter, you know, in your inbox every week, just a little spiritual uplift. Right. And um, we just, we hope uh, that you're able to take a few moments each week um, to take advantage of what we're able to um, support you in your personal restoration process. Right. Remember, like Sister Johnson said, there is a plan and a purpose to your life. And as Elder Meredith said, keep your eyes focused on Christ and you can find that and you can find the faith to move forward. So with all that said, remember also that any time is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for tuning in to Love in Later Years. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.
Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.